we are recording. Hi everyone and happy new year. And welcome to Varsity Switchboard for Lent 2021. <laughs> Christ, the year didn't even pass, I'm so tired. Hang on, hang on, compose. Welcome to Varsity Switchboard for Lent 2021. And we are your podcast producers for this term. Eliza's at home. I'm staying here in Cambridge. So we are here to give you Cambridge from home and Cambridge from Cambridge in a term where, sadly, everything has gone online. Beloved Mayball band Colonel Spanky's Love Ensemble putting it a lot better than we could. It really does feel like we ain't got no home. So we're hoping that amongst the Zoom fatigue, you can switch off and feel at home when you tune in to Switchboard. We're going to do our best to bring the Cambridge Prep queue to your listening ears. There we go. Off we go. Lovely. Amazing. Hi, everyone. We're back. Welcome to episode four. Episode four. Crazy. Although we're kind of linking back to an episode from season five, um, which Amber, you were actually on. Was that the reason that you got involved in Switchboard? Yeah, it was actually. Um, Creativity in Crisis was an episode that last term's team did towards the end of term. And we thought we would kind of, kind of going into yet another lockdown, we thought we'd put our own little spin on it and talk about creativity out of crisis we're first of all looking at the way that creative scene has changed um in cambridge it's something that i think a lot of people apply to cambridge to get involved with or something that people kind of fall into and it's very well established but um obviously the last few lockdowns have really changed that to start off with we're going to think specifically about how different institutions in cambridge have had to adapt themselves to keep working during lockdown one of the biggest ones and one that's definitely very relevant to me is the ADC Theatre. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm John. I'm a second year and I study English at Queen's. Uh, I'm also the drama commissioner for CAMFM. So we're kind of increasing our speech output this term, trying to find alternatives to theatre in the lockdown because all the live theatre is gone. Very sad. Um, and I've also done a fair bit of stuff with ADC Online, both last summer term and this upcoming ADC Online term that we're having to do, because again, no live theatre, very bad. <laughs> I actually worked out, I've been part of 11 cancelled shows since the pandemic began, oh. which is quite a, a sad number to realise mm. when I counted them up. Well, that, that brings me perfectly onto my, my first question. How are you feeling emotionally about everything? Again, after 11 cancelled shows, I think I've just been so battered by it. I kind of just expect things to be cancelled now. And anything that goes ahead in any shape or form is a miracle. Like our two days of ordinary days was a, was, yeah, it was a miracle. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and and I'm just excited to do some more radio things now because the great thing about writing, directing, doing anything for radio is that, you know, no lockdown mandate can stop it and you can keep being creative and you can pour your energy into it and it will actually happen, which is crazy. That's so true. That's so true. Well, because last lockdown, um, you wrote and directed a brilliant radio play called The Man in the Air Balloon, which was broadcast in the ADC online season. Um, and it did very well. What kind of first spurred you to do that? And what do you think you gained from it? I mean, I was spurred to do it by seeing the ADC Online application window appear and think, like, <laughs> well, here's an opportunity to make something good out of a pandemic. Um, and yeah, just started sort of thinking of ideas, came up with this idea about a man in an air balloon following this guy who becomes obsessed with him. Um, nobody else can see him. and uh, the script kind of just came from there. We, we did about three scenes of it and submitted it to ADC Online. And then once that was accepted in the kind of whirlwind of early pandemic chaos, I then frantically wrote it and then got the actors and edited it all together and sound effects, blah, 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 um, within six weeks, which was a really strange kind of window to be producing 
working because as soon as it aired, uh, the lockdown starts to be eased. Um, so it was like a really weird kind of non-time where <laughs> we had just been paused and this radio play existed um, and then we were allowed to kind of do some stuff again. Um, but it was a really good process and I think I definitely recommend anyone listening to get involved in radio plays even if they haven't been involved in theatre or anything like that before because they're really inclusive you know you know voice work is you know is difficult and is a really good way of acting and showcasing your skills but it's also something you can do without the need to act physically which is something that you know I personally struggle with like as an actor I'm, I'm much better at using my voice than than acting out on stage so yeah it's it's a really it's a really good medium for lots of reasons not just because we're allowed to do it mainly because we're allowed to do it for <laughs> other reasons too absolutely well fast forward to this term um i'm gonna let you chat a little bit about your new play which is called the backwards people and where it came from what it has become and where it is going the backwards people is has been quite the saga i started writing it as a book when I was in year 11 um, and then it became a play um, eventually uh, and then it became a totally different play uh, which I then finished and submitted for this in-person season. It was going to be live week one, late show ADC but then along came lockdown uh, three and um, it became a radio play which was never the vision I was always very kind of clear to myself I didn't want to make it a radio play but after a couple of days of being miserable about lockdown I kind of thought I have this brilliant team of you know we've got uh, original music being composed for it we've got fantastic actors brilliant direction um, and it's it's sort of like a bit mad to just kill it there um, particularly when so little else is going on so Went back to the script, turned it into a radio play, and it's sounding brilliant. We finished all the recording, um, editing it together now, and yeah, it's going to be 3rd of February, 8pm, ABC Online. Be there. Very exciting. No, completely. And um, it's kind of your, it's your niche now. You just, you just come back, um, back to Cambridge Theatre with more, more thrilling radio plays. Um, and especially because, like you said, it kind of seems like every time a new lockdown, or we'll phrase it as a new period where your kind of access to a lot of creative resources like the ADC are limited, you kind of seem to have this thing of like, okay, I'm going to do something about it now. I'm going to write something. I'm going to kind of create something. Do you ever have moments where that's kind of hard for you where it's challenging and you kind of stare at the ceiling and think oh god what am I doing why am I here I mean I definitely felt I think a lot of people would have felt a really why am I here what am I doing moment when lockdown three was announced because that was a you know having poured so much energy into making a stage play you know I'd kind of got to the point where I'd almost finished my job you know I designed the publicity I you know I'd written the script got the actors together it was all ready to go and then that was gone that was quite a you know, why do I bother moment? You know, and again, with the 11 cancelled live shows, it's, it's just an endless stream of why am I pouring all this energy into, into making these shows. But um, having said that, it is a massive opportunity, you know, not, not having in-person things because I have now written two full-length radio plays and two short form and produced them, you know, since the pandemic started. And I've got another one that I've written that I'm hoping to put on soon. Um, and, you know, more stuff in the work. So it's definitely, you know, there are opportunities and there are mediums that you can explore always. You know, there's always, there's always prose to fall back on as well, you know, as a writer that, that is really nice because nobody can take that away at all and that doesn't get changed by what anyone else thinks. So there's that kind of control I can kind of keep there and then let people do their own thing with, with the script. So, yeah, there's always, there's always stuff you can do, I think. Boris Johnson can't take our radio plays away. Can't take the radio <laughs> plays away. We will well, be creating. <laughs> well, talking of kind of opportunities that exist, you mentioned before you're CAMFM's drama commissioner. What kind of what's this role about and what are you what are you excited for in the future now that this is kind of a very 
available open medium in Cambridge, I think, more than it ever has been before. Yeah, well, CamFM was something that I wasn't even really aware of until the pandemic, when ABC Online last uh, term teamed up with CamFM and, and simultaneously produced the the radio shows that were on for that season. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a really good platform for students to, to produce radio stuff because you don't need any experience in anything. Um, you just need to get in contact with the various departments, be it, you know, sport, culture, you know, speech, whatever. Um, and we're all very keen to just sort of help people with their ideas, even if it's just sort of the germ of an idea and turn it into a thing. Um, which is really exciting. So we've got um, a satirical comedy news show called Tomorrow's Muse that's having a, its first series this term. Um, and then we're also hoping to put some of the ADC online season on CAMFM as well and try and simulcast those where we can. Um, and yeah, and it's just if anyone listening has any ideas for a radio show of any kind that they want to make into a reality, get in touch and we will do our best to help. Incredible, absolutely beautiful. And you've led us perfectly into the final question, which is what advice would you give to anyone kind of struggling to engage with their creative side, getting their creative juices flowing in the world of kind of writing in all forms or theatre in general during lockdown? I mean, I would say I mean, generally how I approach stories is to not force it, which sounds like quite an obvious thing, but make sure that the story you want to tell is the story you want to tell in the moment. Ask yourself why you want to tell it and what you want to say is key. Um, and then write for the medium that you are, you know, that you are writing for, because there is a big difference between a radio play and a theatre play. And if you want to write a stage play, that's great. Do it and then keep it because the bottom drawer is a brilliant thing. And it's great to have plays in stock ready for when the mist clears and we can all do stuff again. Um, so, yeah, don't don't feel like you have to write for radio just because radio is the only thing you can do at the moment. But equally, if you have an idea, go for it because there's no time like the present. Um, beautiful. And well, thank you so much. That was John kind of giving us the ADC Online perspective. And now we're going to hear a little clip from another online and real-life theatre veteran, uh, Jasper, who's going to talk to us a little bit about what it feels like having shows cancelled because of the pandemic, as well as the great opportunities that online theatre can bring. Hello, I'm Jasper Cresley Hyde, an actor, writer, director, filmmaker in Cambridge Theatre who's had four shows cancelled due to lockdown. So I wanted to contribute something to this week's Switchboard. Creativity in Crisis is a really odd one because on, on one hand, it opens up all these new opportunities for types of storytelling that we perhaps never would have attempted before. But on the other, of course, you can't help but think about all those all the time lost to COVID-19 and all those lost opportunities to have fun and to make friends and make memories doing in-person shows as, as we love doing. Back in the first Easter term online, I got to write, direct and edit The Adventures of Sharkman, which is a superhero radio show adaptation of these comics, a Sharkman comics I wrote when I was about seven and used to read out to the class in primary school. And I totally forgotten them until one May afternoon when I was thinking about what to pitch for the ADC online. And it suddenly just burst back into my head and I could see all the, the panels again. And I was like, oh, I've got to do this. This would this make the best radio show. And then in Michaelmas, I was lucky enough to make a sequel in Sharkman, The God Project, the CUADC online, the second lockdown. So now we're in a third lockdown, perhaps there'll be a third Sharkman. And those are shows that can never be done normally in Cambridge theatre, obviously, because they're these huge, sprawling stories with these huge action set pieces and explosions and superpowers and all sorts of things that you just can't do on stage. But in radio, you can do anything. So having the space and time, not just to tell new stories in a new medium, but also to, to, to reconnect with my childhood has been really lovely. Sharkman specifically, we have a policy that everybody gets a role, nobody gets rejected. So it tries to be really inclusive and it means a lot of people have wound up taking part who had never done any theatre before. So it's always super lovely when people get to discover a new passion or just try out something they wouldn't normally do. And I've made many great friends from, from doing those two shows. So in one sense, I'm very grateful to have undertaken telling those stories. But in another, I'll also always mourn those cancelled shows and what could have been not just for my shows, but also everybody's shows and, and seeing them, which I guess is inevitable, but on the whole, unproductive because we can't change it. it, it it's canon now, as it were. 
And I'm glad to at least have picked up new skills in radio storing and storytelling and, and video storytelling that I will hopefully carry with me for years to come. And I think on the whole, it's been good for other people in Cambridge Theatre to be learning those skills as well that will hopefully stick with them too. So hopefully it's a case of making the best of a bad situation. Moving away from theatre now, we're speaking to Johnny, the arts editor from Maze, here to talk to us about this incredible publication and what it does for writing and the arts within Cambridge communities and how that's changed slash brought new things during lockdown. So, hi, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Johnny and I'm a second year History of Art student at Downing. Amazing. Johnny's here to speak to us from the maze and so tell a little bit about the publication, your role and how you got involved with it. Yeah, so the maze is obviously the annual publication of student prose, poetry and artwork that is published every year and it's kind of, it was ran by Varsity and my role in it is the art editor so that means that everyone who submits visual art pieces, me and two other people on the team will be going through and looking at those pieces and deciding what eventually goes into the publication. But we're also working on like the publicity and one thing that we really want to work on this year is making art submissions as open and accessible to everyone as possible. So if you sent something in, Johnny's the one who's seen it and is judging you right now. On a big spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) A big spreadsheet, wonderful. Yeah, so obviously the last year has been a crazy roller coaster for anyone creative, anything creative with things getting shut down, things getting opened. What has your experience kind of been like over the last year, kind of trying to keep a creative brain going amid a Cambridge degree in a global pandemic? Yeah, it's very strange. I think sometimes creativity can feel quite odd and sometimes sort of self-indulgent in a way, I think, when there's kind of big kind of crisis going on sometimes. But then I think over time, the realisation has definitely been that creativity is really important and like an essential antidote to that kind of crisis going on. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I don't actually do that much creative. <laughs> so it's actually been really nice because I also work on bait. So to see um, people continue to be creative. And I think, you know, one thing that we love that bait and that maze, we're seeing at this time as well, is that people aren't producing less and no one's, despite the fact that we're kind of separated, people are still very keen to keep on submitting and making art clearly so it's nice to see yeah I mean it's almost like it's the one thing that you can't that can't really be taken away isn't it kind of your Mm. own creations what what you're doing yourself can't really be taken away from you by Boris Johnson in a national address yeah no I think that's one thing that's quite interesting actually is that right now the kind of Cambridge literary and art sort of zine publication scene is just like flourishing you know, Cambridge Review of Books has grown so much over the last year. Cambridge Cult has some amazing publication. And, you know, seeing like on the kind of new Cambridge Arts Facebook page, seeing loads of new publications. I think I saw one two days ago for poetry. You know, and it's just Bates grown a lot and the maze still is here. And it is really nice, I think. These, and I think as well what's nice about publications is that you don't actually need to kind of be in person to access them. In essence, publications are things that even though often they're distributed in person. There's something you can take home and in essence, you're supposed to kind of read them on your own. And I think people are kind of loving that about yeah. publications. No, completely. Well, especially because you're mentioning kind of all these, all these publications that are going around and I felt the exact same thing. It's kind of like a, a burst, which is amazing in a place like Cambridge where there is so much there. The Maze is very one, much one that has a very solid history behind it. I think it's been, goodness knows how many decades that it's been going. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of prestige there, which in a way can be scary, but also what's it like kind of being part of that legacy? It must feel amazing. It's definitely strange, I think, to be kind of part of it. And I think the maze I think one of the nice things about the maze this year is that so on May twenty nine, since we've given twenty nine years, I think in the past there's this kind of misconception that the maze is kind of a kind of untouchable thing and it's quite kind of demystified and hard to access. And I think one thing that they're doing this year, or at least we're trying to, is make it keep on making it as accessible as possible make the kind of publication and outreach as sort of open to everyone and trying to make the submissions as clear as possible and I think as much as it does kind of have this association and you know it's kind of great to be a part of you know obviously it's associated with Zadie Smith and all these other amazing contributors that they've had but I do think kind of what's most important this year is actually not trying to be like an elevated this sort of other sort of thing of the maze and try to kind of work with the other, the rest of the Cambridge 
art scene. Yeah, it's just about creating something all together in a time when a lot of time people aren't together mm. and people are kind of from far away. No, completely. And that actually leads on perfectly to the next bit, which is how can how can people get involved? When are when are the deadlines? What's what's happening? So the deadline for submissions is February the twelfth. And yeah, I mean, just if you want to get involved, please submit literally anything creative that you have done. If it's if you've made a painting or a drawing or a sewing project, or like a knitting project, or you've made of some clothes, want to see anything we want to see. We want to see architectural drawings or sketches. If you make films, you can do like a film art still. You can do performance artworks, like take a picture of your performance work and send it in. Just send your work in and we want to see it. If in doubt, submit it. I think that's one of the kind of, obviously that's kind of the most direct way to get involved right now with your poetry or prose. And that's the kind of main submission deadline is February halfway through. We've also got, we're going to have a submissions Q&A coming up soon in early February where people can, if they want to know more about that, come, come and listen to that. So. Amazing. And we'll leave links to kind of Facebook pages and everything like that in the description as well. So thank you so much for chatting to us. Yeah, thank you. So that was Johnny from The Maze and Amber, you've spoken to two different creative groups who've had to, who are well established in Cambridge, but have had to adapt given lockdown and moving everything online. But this week I ended up focusing on two new groups who have been created during lockdown and kind of risen like phoenixes from the ashes um, to make something um, and keep people connected specifically in an online format rather than trying to kind of shoehorn the current scene into YouTube and radio. Um, so to start off with, I spoke to Cambridge Creatives who began back in March 2020, but with each lockdown, I've watched them go through different iterations. And today I spoke with Hannah, who is one of their founders, and Claire, who is on their committee, about how they've been adapting through all of the lockdowns. And just to throw a really vague question out there, what is Cambridge Creatives and how did it begin? Cambridge Creatives is well, we call it a creative collective because we wanted it to be very all-encompassing and to have lots of different ambitions and aims. But it largely, it began in the first lockdown <laughs> as a series of Q&As with industry professionals in film, TV and theatre as a way to inspire fellow students and aspiring filmmakers and actors and theatre people who had all had their projects cancelled or postponed, that there was still some sort of creative light in the Cambridge universe and, and also all these professional creatives who were still managing to do something even when there were so many limits. And then now it's evolved into something so much more. We are now an official university society. We have just completed our inaugural screenwriting competition and the winning script by Maddie Lines is being produced into a short film to be shot in the summer. We have a website with reviews and articles and resource packs and we are hoping to sort of include as many people as possible in our creative projects and creative sort of community that we have formed over the past few months and terms. And do you think having that community has helped you? Has it been easier to, to be creative as part of a community rather than struggling through on your own? Oh, definitely. Like, uh, I think the main reason that we have flourished is because we opened up to a bigger committee, which Claire can talk about. Um, but we've had so many more voices and ideas and... It's been it's just been so much more fun to have so many more people to like bounce ideas off and to chair Q&As with different people and to have different people's contacts or different people's like dream person to interview and stuff like that. So it's definitely made it a lot more fun and more enjoyable and more fulfilling because you can kind of share share the success and share the joy with other people and pass it on to other people and give them opportunities as well, which I think is super, super fulfilling with working remotely and not being in Cambridge or even if we are in Cambridge not really being able to have you know a committee meeting where we're all together I think the interesting thing with not just Cambridge creatives but lots of societies over the past year is that the people involved with them it probably would be a different group of people if we weren't in this situation there's 
because we're all meeting on Zoom and no one's actually met each other, there's less of a thing about applying for committees where you don't know anyone who's kind of involved with it. Like, you know, me and Hannah are friends, but anyone else who's on the committee, I would never have met them unless it was through this. And I feel like when we're all in person, there's just that extra bit of, you know, anxiety about turning up to a committee meeting where you don't know as many people or, you know, applying for a position and needing to go to an interview with someone you've never seen before. Whereas now it's like, well, none of us have ever met each other before. Messaging random people is kind of fine and everyone's kind of just up for things and ready to say yes to most things. So yeah, it's been good in some ways. Yeah, it's almost less intimidating to um, have things all online. But if we can think about, I mean, Cambridge Creators is really cool in the fact that you guys have been through three different lockdowns now from kind of your conception to where you find yourselves now have you noticed any difference in the extent to which students were motivated and wanted to be involved across those lockdowns i think definitely at the beginning we we were doing like three q and a's a week which was way too ambitious and also i think people probably got like content fatigue as well i mean i think it was good during the first lockdown because literally no one really knew what to do term had ended at some point so no one had any coursework to either work on or procrastinate from so i think it was good to start with but definitely now i think we're in a more sort of sustainable project plan (laughs) and once a week i think is definitely our maximum and we're sort of building up a a base of loyal viewers and like a sort of more of a a greater social media presence as well more people liking and following and more freshers are are finding out about us so hopefully they can get involved in in committees to come and in projects to come and things like that which which is really exciting i've also found that in terms of speakers that's definitely changed over the lockdowns because in the first lockdown there was no no film tv or theater and now as the industry is trying to recover and rules are being interpreted in different ways and film and tv production is now some kind of like not essential service but just can't be done from home some production is being able to to happen so yeah so the the people that we can speak to is is changing because more people actually now have commitments to filming which is really good for the industry but harder for us to get speakers (laughs) I mean, I think as young people interested in going into those creatives, you benefit a lot from being able to just pick up like a runner job on a set or something, just so you can get an insight into what that looks like. But that's all kind of been stifled by COVID. And whereas a law internship moves more smoothly online, I found that I think the creatives actually struggle to get that experience so much online. I don't know if you think that's impacting the way people who are our age interested in creatives are going about furthering their career or about finding out about these careers? Well, the interesting thing about Cambridge and the creative industries is that, you know, it's part of the privilege of Cambridge, obviously, but especially if you want to go into the creative industries, it's such a privilege because it's literally a little microcosm of the theatre industry, at least. And then you also have, you know, all the things that spiral out of that. So film directors, you know, like Hannah, will learn to direct at the ADC and they'll direct, you know, certain milestones like Lantern Musical and Panto and then when you go out and assistant direct on your first you know short film that is going places you have things that live on your CV that are actual productions and it's interesting that whilst Cambridge is a lot of things that is quite an integral part of it to people like us who want to then use that as well quite legitimate credits to go into the industry with so to lose that is kind of crazy you know, there's also this whole other group of people who don't go to Cambridge thinking that they want to go into the creative industries, but then they, you know, do it as a hobby and then they get sidetracked by it and consumed by it. And then it becomes something that you can do. And that has happened for a lot of people who have ended up being really famous. They just discovered that that's what they wanted to do whilst they were at Cambridge and to not have that kind of experimentation and and space to breathe it's a little bit difficult and I think Cambridge Creatives does actually fill that gap a lot of the time because although you're not doing it yourself being able to hear from other people and being able to hear advice more advice than you would ever get if you were just you know learning off the ropes as we usually are in a normal theatre season it's doing something it's it's not the same but yeah it's difficult and trying to fill that gap is is something I think we're doing 
Yeah, I definitely agree. We Claire and I were literally just talking about how there's a whole sort of cohort of aspiring actors, directors, producers who are not being able to practice and sort of hone their craft and not being able to build up a portfolio of work to to take into the the real world, which which is really sad. But I, I think people to put a positive spin on it, people are being a lot more creative about how they can build up their experience and the amount of like web series and online shows and radio shows. There have been lots of creative ways to put shows online and to give people exposure when normal means have been taken away. Everything that I do that's creative is kind of done without an audience in the sense that I kind of make a podcast by myself put it out and then only then do I get feedback whereas you guys partaking in theatre I mean that's very much like kind of a live audience response and the same with kind of feedback from film do you find that as a motivating factor in your creativity are you still managing to get that online has it been replaced by social media I guess I think that you can get feedback from the teams like the production teams and the cast and the crew and that although it is so useful and helpful to have an audience that you can respond to and bounce off I think the thing that you can still gain so much from even over zoom is the discussions with fellow creatives whether actors or directors or like musical directors and stuff like that there can still be so much to be gained from these big creative teams that we can still talk to each other virtually even if we're not in the same rehearsal room I've well I've done quite a few online projects I'm doing quite a few this term but um the main thing for me is well I'm a comic I used to be a stand-up but you can't be a stand-up if you don't have an audience (laughs) so improvise adapt overcome I (laughs) everyone had to kind of diversify in terms of you know Footlight smokers are now online and you can't like stop and pause for someone to laugh and stand-up's just not funny unless you can hear laughter along with it so everyone's had to diversify I now write silly songs and you know people who've never written a sketch before are now having to just to get any form of something that they can put out that doesn't require an audience reaction at the time. So I think it's interesting. It's made people kind of learn new skills in terms of being able to put things out there, even without an instant kind of feedback loop, I guess. And given that lockdown is such a strange time, coming up with ideas as well as working through them, it's quite difficult to originate those new ideas, especially because my understanding of how like ADC theatre works is that someone will generally kind of have an idea for a play and then they take an idea to a group and kind of they pitch that to the ADC and they start getting people on board with that idea. Have you found it difficult to come up with those ideas in the first instance or has this really weird time kind of led you to loads of really kind of new strange ideas? I think it's a new form that hasn't been really explored that much before so actually I think the ideas have kind of been quite free flowing because, you know, there's a million plays that have been written. There's a million musicals, whatever. We've done the stage thing and I want to go back to doing the stage thing. Don't get me wrong. But online is new. And, you know, I'm sure when someone wrote the first ever play, they were like, oh, well, (laughs) hundreds of ideas now. So now that we've got this whole new format, I think the fact that people are managing to write in a bespoke manner for that is kind of a real impetus to create new things and have new ideas. I think if we were to try and translate things from stage to online, it doesn't go as well, but it's kind of created a whole new generation of writers who are able to write for online content. And that's because they've kind of been forced to, and it means that they've, all these new ideas are coming through from new different people so I also think that people are craving a creative outlet so even if they don't have an idea they've had so many messages or I've been messaging people being like do you want to do this project do you want to do a web series do you want to do like a an online documentary kind of thing like there have been yeah just so many discussions because people want a creative outlet and they also want to just share something creative with their friends or with their like 
creative collaborators. So it's definitely, I think it's a very active time in the, the Cambridge creative scene. So for Cambridge students who are sat at home who aren't already in the creative scene, like they don't have those connections, especially I think freshers or people who came in from a master's who maybe didn't meet anyone last year because all of the ADC shows kind of got stopped after four weeks, didn't they, into the lockdown. I mean, what would you suggest that they do? How, how can they get involved in these new groups? And do you think that will motivate them, hopefully, to remain creative during this time? I think there are so many routes into to being creative in this time. One, because it's all online. And if you have like a phone that you can record on and a YouTube account, there is some way of you uploading content. If you have friends who are also creative, you've found people that you can work with and bounce ideas off. But there are also the more like Cambridge traditional routes of there is the, the Cambridge theatre page, there is the Cambridge film page, there is the Cambridge filmmakers page, and there is now the new Cambridge arts page. And these are all Facebook groups that if you join, you will probably almost immediately be accepted on if you say that you go to Cambridge. And there are so many projects or ideas being bounced around that either you can apply to or you can even upload a pitch or a project that you want to involve other people in. So I think if you if you're craving some creative outlet, I think there are so many other people who are also craving that way of expressing themselves and their ideas and it's largely all on Facebook and I think yeah definitely please don't be afraid if you don't know people me speaking as a second year who, who doesn't even have that much theatre experience because two of our terms have been online as well I would love to work with as many new people as possible and do something creative with anyone so please just pitch your idea or apply to someone else's I think the same, you know, the normal principles still apply. If you act or are a director who hasn't, who wants more experience, apply to work on someone else's project that you like and interests you. If there's nothing that interests you, then pitch something that does interest you. And the ADC don't have to like it controversially. You know, the ADC online season exists, the YouTube channel exists, but it's not the be all and end all. You can stick anything up on YouTube if you want and publicize it on Facebook and people will watch it you know even if it's just your mates and your nan it will exist in perpetuity until you don't want it to and I think that you know Hannah's right messaging people in this day and age is fine but you don't know who you admire the work of who you think have similar interests to you I've messaged so many people over the past few months <laughs> trying to get things done who I have never spoken to before but I know who they are and what they do and trying to get this comedy collective set up toast that I've been uh, just launching actually for non-white comics just being able to message you know anyone on the footlights committee if you're a comic will reply to your message and be lovely anyone who's involved with you know directing if you see someone on camdram which is a great place to also find opportunities if you see someone on camdram and you like something that they directed you can always message them and ask you know how did you get into directing what did you do um i think people are much more open to it nowadays and obviously like things like toast things like stockings are the things that i know about because of comedy but are great for beginners and there's always things floating about and I'm so glad that you shared that principle because that's kind of how we've got in touch with you guys just reaching out every single week switchboards messaging hundreds of people we don't know but no it's definitely that's it's, right. like, yeah it's so wonderful to get in touch with other people who are interested in being creative as well so thank you guys so much for coming on the main theme that we ended up speaking about within Cambridge Creators is the importance of having a group and having an outlet in order to inspire your own creativity and to kind of work with others on your projects. And for those of you who've really enjoyed listening to all of these different projects and are wondering how you can get involved, there's a brilliant new group called Cambridge Arts, which has begun not in the first or the second lockdown, but this lockdown to promote all of the different arts projects that are going on um, over the coming term. So I spoke with Alex, who set up this group, and he's got loads and loads of information of all of the different arts projects you can get involved with. I want to begin by asking, for all of the freshers or people who haven't been on the art scene in Cambridge before, what is it normally like? So I think it normally involves quite a lot of 
scrolling around Facebook trying to find things like it does at the moment. But then followed by that, there's a lot of running over to different colleges in the evening after you've finished your essay, finding different societies who run regularly, who run things like the Shirley Society, which I went to a lot in first year, where you meet up every Thursday and read poems and drink wine. And it's kind of like what everyone dreams English university is like. And then there's also random events that will happen all the time. Quite often things like drink and draws will be organised by different societies. And the odd arty club night, things like Playtime, the female and non-binary DJ collective run an anti-heteronormativity party every Valentine's Day. So I think there's a lot of things like that, a lot of things that mostly in the evening and just about getting a lot of people together in a small confined space, which um, obviously isn't happening at the moment, but is very lovely and a really nice way to sort of spark off conversations and meet people and yeah, do a bit of arty stuff as well as chatting. So that's obviously completely destroyed by things going online, that kind of in-person meeting. How important do you think being able to interact with other creatives is for your own creativity and your own project? I think it's hugely important. I think a lot of what's wonderful about Cambridge as a university is that you're in really close proximity and constantly sparking off all of these other wonderful people around you. And you're always finding ideas out from random conversations that somehow will end up in a project you end up doing two years down the line or something or crop up in an essay or, or yeah, end up in your artwork. And for me, that's that sort of sense of encouragement was a huge thing. The sense of like, oh, there are other people who write poetry. It's okay to write poetry and read it aloud. Because when I was at school, I'd written poetry, but I never read it aloud or really talked about it to anyone. It just sort of ended up on a folder on my laptop and I sort of faintly ashamed of it. <laughs> but then I think going to events where people were just reading poetry they'd written out made me realise it's just something fun and casual and, and enjoyable. So yeah, I think there's both the encouragement and the collaboration. It's just hugely important. So you founded this platform, Cambridge Arts, which is a Facebook group. How are you attempting to replicate the Cambridge Arts scene via that platform? Yeah, so it's um, I've seen the Cambridge Theatre Group which is a a big Facebook group where all of the different theatre companies and people doing different productions post about audition opportunities and plays they've got coming up and kind of thought that it was a shame that there wasn't one of those for the art scene, for arty societies. And I I talked to a couple of friends in Michaelmas about the fact that this just didn't exist and it should exist. And also there's one at Oxford and we didn't have one at Cambridge and we can't be having that. So I then got in touch with all of the art societies I could think of and just sent them a message on Facebook saying, I'm thinking of setting this platform up, would you be interested? And I was really blown away by how many people responded. Like every society who responded said, yes, we'd love that. We're happy to share it. And then sort of set up at the start of this term and some really brilliant people just volunteered to be moderators and help out with it and and admin it. And it's sort of, was really easy like weirdly easy that you could get all of these societies together just say post whenever you have stuff and they just did and people just joined and I think there's something like 700 members now after a couple of weeks which was very unexpected but really 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 nice to see and also Kettle's Yard joined which really (laughs) made me feel good that that was where I spent most of first year so (laughs) those 700 people who are part of Cambridge Arts Group is that larger than the normal Cambridge art scene? Is it smaller? I think I've been realising that what I thought was the Cambridge art scene was actually just a very small portion of the Cambridge art scene and was like the people who did three different things that I went to regularly because I've just seen so many new names and societies and people posting and I think that many people are in Cambridge and interested in the arts. I I think it's a lot more than you'd ever see at a single event. I can't think of any event I've been to that's had more than like maybe maybe a hundred people at some of the bigger launches and club nights and things but normally you get like I don't know 20 people if you're doing something on a Tuesday night because everyone's busy I guess but yeah it felt quite nice because I think people talk about the Cambridge art scene quite a lot at at least I noticed in first year and I never really knew what it was or where it was or who was in it so it's an intangible kind of yeah (laughs) have a number on it to have like these are the members these Mm. are the official members of the Cambridge art scene It's, it's quite nice in a way 
because the art scene normally takes place in the evening it's difficult to fit into your schedule maybe it's quite intimidating do you think that this online platform is actually encouraging more people to be involved with the art scene i'd really hope so because i think it shows that there's something for everyone going on i think you can kind of i i know when i when i arrived it was sort of only five or six art societies had a stall at the Freshers' Fair because that costs quite a lot of money that not a lot of societies have. And so I sort of thought there were only like five or six societies and I wasn't quite sure whether it would be for me or not. But I think a new a new group that has like 30 people can recruit and, and advertise in the same way that like an established scene that's been going for 10 years and has 3,000 likes on Facebook can. So yeah. for people in Cambridge who are arty be they never involved in any of these societies before if they're within the group who are the established art society how do you think they should be getting involved with the arts seeking out new societies forming new societies i think that there's a lot of space for more art societies in cambridge it's definitely something i've noticed because i'm also on the bait team and we opened applications for new team members this year and sort of said oh we're going to recruit three maybe four people and had we were expecting like three, maybe four applications and had something like 40. And it was just like, there's so much interest, so much interest. And we wanted to give everyone a place on the team. But there's almost more demand than supply for ways to be involved with it at the moment. And I think, I think it was definitely, it's definitely something I'd like to see. And I think I'm talking to a lot of people, I know they also want more things and you make it easier to start up a society and I think I've seen some societies that have started up literally in the past month or so maybe everyone's getting bored at home but there's a new new anthology called the Silver Street Anthology a new society for poets called the Blackbird Society that I would never have heard about before because I you know maybe you'd know someone who was vaguely involved with it and shared it on their Facebook page but probably miss it but to have it in a central place is is really nice I think I think that was that was what we were hoping to do I think you've achieved that so hopefully for people who maybe haven't been able to be involved in the arts as much as they'd wish Cambridge Arts is the place to go to find to find new societies yeah definitely definitely the the number one place to go (laughs) yeah I think we just we just wanted to sort of yeah create a central place where you can go and look because I think it's something I wanted when I was a fresher and didn't exist so I thought you know, everyone's always saying if there's not if there's something you want to do in Cambridge and it's not there, just make it. So I thought I'd give it a go. So if you're missing the Cambridge arts scene or you're a fresher who's yet to find out about it, check out Cambridge Arts on Facebook. Speaking of freshers, we are focusing next week's episode entirely on you. Um, we want to hear from freshers from every college all across the university to hear about your experiences, hear about how you've been involved with the arts, been involved with sports, how you fared with your colleges, with your friendships, anything and everything, we'd love to hear about it. So if you check out our Instagram and our Facebook, you can find links to ways that you can send us a message of your experience or you can send us a voice note. We're really happy to read out your experiences. We'd love to hear your own voices. Um, And we're looking forward to kind of having an episode just entirely shaped by what you guys tell us your experience of the last term has been. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week. This week we have a bit of drum and bass to finish off the show and start your weekend. Fergus Holmes Stanley, aka Avran, is an ASNAC student at St John's who is also a DJ, music producer and host of Underground Sounds on Cam FM. This is his track, Synthetic Emotion. What you gradually do is homogenize the whole song until every bar sounds the same, until every rhythm guitar part is perfect, until, in fact, there's no evidence of human life at all in it.
generation, music evolves. So we cannot say really which one is better, which one is not. Thank you.